Senora, and welcome to episode number six of Liberty Now. I'm your host, John Verd, trainer, piper, Navy diver, and Liberty lover. Thank you for stopping by. This is the show where we believe in common sense. We seek the truth and can think for ourselves. I'll be here every Saturday at 10 p.m. to chat with you about stuff that matters to you and me and everyone we know. We'll be following the stories behind the headlines asking questions, and talking to people who are taking action. Today, it's just you and me, and we're going to talk about globalism, among other things, false flags and propaganda, and a few other terms if we have time. Let me start by asking you a question. I know that uh, not all these topics are really uplifting to hear about if you've been listening to any episodes thus far. But if your best friend was caught in a riptide and drowning, would you want to know about it? What if your house was on fire? And it's not exactly fun news, but it's a lot better knowing than not knowing, isn't it? It's kind of like that. With learning about globalism and the further down the rabbit hole you go, it isn't exactly uplifting, but you'd want to know if your house was on fire, right? Well, I'm here to tell you it is. And it's better late than never. But... Things right now are really accelerating into hyperdrive if you've been paying attention at all. You can really feel it, can't you? If you think things have been crazy in the last year or two, maybe you ain't seen nothing yet. But uh, from the first episode, I've been saying that, you know, we need to have a healthy skepticism of the media, including what I've been telling you. So please don't take my word for it, but do question, do read, do your own research. I've been looking into this for quite a while myself, and it's not like uh, in the Matrix where you just take the red pill and you instantly see the world as it really is. It's kind of a, a long, slow process. So how did I get red-pilled? Well, I think it started when I started paying attention to history. A friend of mine suggested that I read Thomas Malthus's 1798 treatise an essay on the principle of population. And Malthus goes into great detail. He went into great detail about the problem of population growth and how the earth has a limited finite amount of resources. And wherever a population is established, it tends to grow um, exponentially or geometrically compared to the ability to produce enough food for that population, which grows in a linear fashion. And just doing some simple math, he came to the conclusion that uh, we would not be able to sustain the planet's growth rate in population. Whether you agree with that line of thinking or not, I don't think it's any human being's right or responsibility to curtail the world population. Of course, there are things that we can do to grow responsibly, uh, take good care of our environment, and be ethical. But when you start to look into the writings of some of these globalists and, and thinkers, it gets a little concerning. Here's a quote from Malthus's essay. The power of population is so superior to the power in the earth to produce subsistence for man that premature death must in some shape or other visit the human race. Now, if that doesn't concern you, consider his influence in this quote from Adolf Hitler. The day will certainly come 
when the whole of mankind will be forced to check the augmentation of the human species because there will be no further possibility of adjusting the productivity of the soil to the perpetual increase of the population. And when I started to realize that there were people who concerned themselves with humanity as if we were a problem to be solved, and how the works of Malthus inspired others into the eugenics movement, I started to look a little deeper into history because I care about my fellow humans. That's one of my drives, why I got into the fitness industry to begin with over 20 years ago. But we need to know that there is a small, very elite minority of people on this planet who see themselves as our lords and these people see the rest of us as a virus. Maybe that sounds familiar, kind of like the matrix all over again. But the difference, I think, in most people's perception of the world and how it really runs is about like that. It's a good allegory. So I've covered just a few topics on this show in previous episodes that might not seem to be connected, but they do have in common that they are they are all the result of globalist plans and globalist thinking. And I really want to do a deeper dive into current events, uh, you know, from the U.S. elections to COVID-19 to 9-11, but to see them for what they really are and to understand what's going on behind them and behind some of the crazy headlines that we're seeing now, it really helps to get some history on these people, on globalism and uh, some of these definitions, just to get our head around it. And then you start to see a bigger picture. It begins to emerge kind of like a giant puzzle. And it's not as instant as taking the red pill on the matrix, but the paradigm shift that you go through will be no less mind-blowing. So near to the root of all of this, as I said, is globalism. Now let's start by understanding that, and we'll get into a deeper dive on that. But for now, just a quick definition is globalism is the development of social, cultural, technological, or economic networks that transcend national boundaries or globalization. And if you've been looking at uh, policy in the U.S. And, and other countries, we are starting to see a decline of nationalism, uh, a sort of dissolution of borders. We've seen it with the EU getting rid of all the borders under one sort of central control. So when we talk about the they that we keep hearing about, I'm here to tell you that they're not hiding. They're in plain view. And you know the names of many of them from history and present day. But uh, the likes of Cecil Rhodes, the Rothschild family, the Rockefellers, J.P. Morgan, Henry Kissinger, George Soros, in fact, everything I've been talking about from the first episode, all of this is in plain view. It's public information. If you're willing to look for it, although it is becoming a little more challenging these days with increased censorship on the media and uh, particularly social media. But uh, with regard to globalism, you might say that the idea took root with Cecil Rhodes, who had a vision in 1877 after his initiation into the Masonic Order. He had a vision to reintegrate America into the British Empire. And eventually, he formed a roundtable with a secret society to achieve that very goal. 
and he also later received financing from the Rothschild family to begin his work and started in South Africa. If you'd like to read a great article about globalism, I'd like to direct you to libertynow.com and click on the About page. Uh, there's a great article for A Case Against Globalism from November 30th, 2017. Here's a brief excerpt. The concept of globalism burdens American society, and this encumbrance comes mainly from the political and social left. We rarely discuss what globalism is, and many Americans don't seem to see the grave dangers that it represents. We hear phrases like global citizenship or citizens of the world, which are supposed to evoke an air of cosmopolitanism or signal some admirable openness to compassionate dialogue among people and nations. But these intellectual sensations are deceptive. Globalism is not that. Moving on. So what is the end game of globalist thinking? Primarily, it centers around uh, technocratic rule over all of the peoples of the planet through one centralized government, everything being run scientifically through technology. When you really dig into it, you find out that they want to reduce the world population through eugenics. So what is eugenics? Eugenics is the practice or advocacy of controlled selective breeding of human populations, as by sterilization, to improve the population's genetic composition. Sound familiar? So you might ask yourself, how could anybody in good conscience carry out plans like that? Surely that's not possible. But when you look at some of the ceremonies that our elites and people in very powerful places go through, such as the cremation of care ritual at Bohemian Grove, and you look at who's involved, you start to see how this might be possible. For those of you uninitiated, uh, the cremation of care is an annual ritual. It's a production written, produced, and performed by members of the Bohemian Club and staged at Bohemian Grove near Monte Rio, California, in the United States. The cremation of care is a ritual that's been going on at Bohemian Grove since about 1923, and it has included many past presidents, the likes of Eisenhower, Nixon, Reagan, Bill Clinton, the Bush family, and it maintains a strong involvement to this day. I'm not going to do a really deep dive into each of these things. Every single one of these terms could be an entire episode. In fact, there are entire books written about each one of these. But I just want to give us a, a quick familiarity with some of these things when we talk about them later on. So when we start talking about these huge global plans for one world government or a new world order or global depopulation, you know, you have to start asking how is that even possible? How could it logistically be done? Well, let's get into the toolbox or the bag of tricks of globalists, some of the strategies. Again, we're just going to go over some of the basic terms. Any one of these could be the subject of an entire book. One plan that's really important to understand is the Cloward and Piven plan. And it was a strategy, an eight-step plan designed in 1966 by hardcore anti-American liberal socialists Richard Cloward and Francis Fox Piven that called for overloading the U.S. public welfare system in order to precipitate a crisis that would lead to a replacement of the welfare system with a new national system. 
have a look at their plan and see if it doesn't sound familiar and see if you don't see some ele elements of that going on right now. Again, don't take my word for any of these. Do your own research, but practice intelligent critical thinking. The next term is false flag. Quick definition is just actions taken against one's own side under the guise of being an attack by an enemy is a ruse known as a false flag. There are many examples of this in history. Uh, one is on August 31st, 1939, German troops dressed in Polish uniforms to pretend to attack a German radio station near the German-Polish border at Gliwitz concentration camp. Inmates had been previously shot and dressed in German uniforms and left at the radio station to make it seem as though Poles had attacked Germany, giving Germany the excuse for starting World War II in Europe. Another weapon in the globalists' toolbox is propaganda, which we've all seen and heard of all too much lately. Simply put, propaganda is the spreading of ideas, information, or rumor for the purpose of helping or injuring an institution, a cause, or a person. And in fact, also ties into conspiracy theories, which was a term that was weaponized by the CIA in 1967. And there was a declassified document. I'm going to bring it up here. 1035-960. It was declassified in a FOIA request in 1976. But I'll just read a little bit of that document from Section 2B. Now, this, this document was uh, written up and disseminated throughout the CIA when people began to question the Warren Commission and the official story behind uh, John F. Kennedy's assassination. So to quell all those inquiries and questions from media and individuals, they decided to employ propaganda. Uh, specifically in Section 2B, it says one of the ways they could do that is to employ propaganda assets to answer and refute the attacks of the critics. Book reviews and feature articles are particularly appropriate for this purpose. The unclassified attachments to this guidance should provide useful background material for passage to assets. So we have a long history of that tool being used. And before class is out for the night, I think we've got time for one more term that I'd like to acquaint you with is predictive programming. Predictive programming is theorized as a method of mass mind control that proposes that people are conditioned through works of fiction to accept planned future scenarios. There's a researcher named Alan Watt that defines the phenomenon as the power of suggestion using the media of fiction to create a desired outcome. If you're just tuning in, this is John Bird on Liberty Now On Air, a weekly broadcast slash podcast on 96.9 Plains FM. If you'd like to hear the full conversation, see the video, head over to libertynow.com, where you can also get the links, files, and show notes for this episode.
I'm going to play some video clips here by a YouTuber from his channel, Fallen World Films. And for those just listening, I'll break in and describe what we're hearing. But to really appreciate what we're talking about here, go see it for yourself. I'll put the video up on this episode at libertynow.com. This first clip is from a TV show, Project Runway, an episode in 2019. And we see a model coming down the catwalk wearing a plaid sort of dress. But the striking thing is that she's wearing a matching medical earloop mask. And the designer's name is COVID. No joke. Take a listen. The topic of predictive programming, this is probably one of the most egregious examples uh, that I've ever seen. Um, but the clip just doesn't seem to be getting very much traction, so I just kind of want to help push it out there. All right, so what we have here is a short clip from a show called Project Runway. And apparently this episode originally aired on April 4th of last year, or 2019. And, uh, well, you just got to see this for yourself. Check this out. I have one thing to say. I'm feeling so, so energized. I'm feeling so satisfied. Hi, COVID. Hello. Will you tell us about your head-to-toe look? When I was designing, I just wanted to play around with pattern and kind of break down the monotony of what otherwise plaid could do. So I just started cutting it up. I wanted to create shapes. I wanted to create volume. What I loved here is the boldness of that print. As soon as she walked out, I thought, oh, she's sick. But like sick in a good way, it's sick. Loved COVID's look. Loved. Do you mind putting your mask back on? Do you mind putting your mask back on? Thank you. Do you mind putting your mask back on? Notice COVID's detail, this 3D applique. I mean, it just gets better. It's sick. It's sick. It's sick. Brandon said it, but you must be hot. You should probably take the mask off. (laughs) Can you breathe in there? A little bit. A little better like It's a good look when we want to keep you alive. It's a good look, but we want to keep you alive. Okay, and so to be clear, this show came out an entire year before the arrival of this current pandemic situation that we're all being subjected to. And it centers around a model who is wearing a silly but so-called fashionable costume uh, that happens to include a medical ear loop mask that's identical to those that we are now being mandated to wear. Um, But however this stuff works, uh, what we have here is a man named COVID who is modeling a ridiculous looking outfit with the absurd inclusion of a matching face mask, you know, and it's being broadcast on national television uh, less than one year before all this stuff starts going down. Uh, So you tell me, is this just an amazing coincidence or is there something more going on here? I mean, is this some kind of evidence of foreknowledge or pre-planning? Is it an Illuminati ritual of some kind? Is it subliminal messaging or propaganda? Or maybe it's all of the above, you know? Or maybe it's like Shakespeare said, and this whole world is just a stage and all the men and women are merely players. You know, I don't know. But I'm just going to round out this video with a short montage of similar clips of this so-called predictive programming, uh, where these popular works of fiction seem to have predicted this current crisis that we're in uh, with an uncanny accuracy. And as you watch through these clips, just ask yourself, you know, how many coincidences does it take before something is no longer a coincidence? You know, I mean, anomalies occur in everything. uh, But when the same anomaly occurs over and over again, you know, then it's no longer anomalous by definition. You know, it starts to seem more intentional or even procedural. Uh, So I don't know. Just check it out and you be the judge. And from the movie Utopia 2014, this is the trailer. Chased by a shadow organization. What if I were to tell you that I've been on the run? Chased by a shadow organization who wanted to kill me and control governments. And his objective was to sterilize the world. 
They want to sterilize the world. It's all over now. They're starting again. As of today, we are making the vaccine, and this will happen at an unprecedented pace. At an unprecedented pace. Just a quick reminder that this film came out in 2014. And we will remember uh, just last year, President Donald Trump in the United States talking about Operation Warp Speed to get vaccines uh, out into the public and in use ahead of normal trials and schedules. Gonna do a Nagasaki with a flu virus. You're all going to die. There'll be no more than 500 million people on this planet. We've been planning this for 30 years. So I'm gonna pause right there for just one moment. Uh, when you hear the characters talking about 500 million people on the planet, uh, I would recommend that you go look at, or look up the Georgia Guidestones there is a monument that has been erected there, and it is sort of like a uh, future Ten Commandments of how the world should be in an ideal utopian, uh, some distant future. And it's got it's it's a large monument. It's and it's engraved with these rules for living, and what the ideal future would be. And it's, it's engraved in multiple languages, almost every major language in the world. And one of those ideals that's been carved in the stone there is that the ideal population of the planet would be 500 million people. This is an actual monument. You can go and look it up yourself. There's many blogs and very easy to look up. Continuing with this trailer. This is a series called The Last Man on Earth from 2017. Uh, Kristen Wiig is one of the main characters. Oh, thank you, Christina. That will be all. Alana, what are the headlines? Flooding in Tennessee is expected to continue through the weekend. President Pence plans to visit the affected areas. The Federal Pandemic Agency has released new guidelines for combating the emerging viral outbreak. Ooh, Alana. Think it's dark today? How about a joke? Why did the banker quit his job? He lost interest. <laughs> oh, I interest. Oh, I needed that. <laughs> oh, guess what I heard about Catherine and Robert? They bought another home. Guess where it is? London. They wish. It's under the ground. What do you mean? It's a bunker. It's like a bomb shelter or something where paranoid people go and live when they think it's the end of the world. This is back in 2017. They're talking about a some kind of pandemic flu and people buying underground bunkers to prepare for it. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, talk about overreacting. It's a bad flu season. You wash your hands, you don't buy a bunker. Am I right? What are they, mole people? <laughs> mole people? Benjamin! Oh, you were giving Alana a run for her money. <laughs> <laughs> Now we see Kristen Wigford around in her limousine, uh, driving past people in the street, seeing people wearing masks, even a dog. <coughs> and the driver in the front seat coughs as she rolls up the window to protect herself. is an absolute pigsty. Where in the hell is Christina? Oh, Christina texted she died. What? 
her daughter, someone texted. She's uh, washing or rinsing her hands off with hand sanitizer as she's talking to her husband. There's got to be a vaccine. Pamela, we talked about this. There is no vaccine. Well, something fishy's going on, if you ask me. You mean to tell me the president of the United States doesn't have a vaccine? Yeah, right. And there's the presidential hearse as they head towards Arlington Cemetery. Michael Richard Pence, 46th president of the United States, dead at the age of 61. Jumping forward again to a clip from the show Utopia. Taking that virus and embedded it in the vaccine of the Stearns flu. I knew it. <gasps> I knew it. It created a panic and now everybody's begging for the vaccine. No, no, no. D demanding it with all the entitlement of a first world country. Yes. And now we have exactly what we want. Hundreds of millions of Americans lining up, offering us their arms, and letting us give them our creation. I'm pretty sure when every vaccinated person starts dying, they'll trace it back to undetectable virus. Was the amazing epiphany we had. We didn't have to kill to accomplish our goal. We intend to stop human reproduction for three generations busy, endless global assembly line of babies will grind to halt. You're sterilizing people? Uh-huh. In the first five years, we'll start to see major birth rate declines as teenagers vaccinated today hit their childbearing years. You're controlling the future of human civilization. Is that what they're calling it? It's a very nice euphemism for a species that is replicated like a contagion across the planet, killing all other species in its wake. So just pausing there, so the supervillain in this episode is talking about how they're going to sterilize the planet and uh, control population through uh, vaccinations. Now I'm going to jump to an incident in 2014. I'm going to refer to an article by Frederick Nizwili from the Religious News Service, November 11th, 2014. And he talks about the World Health Organization and UNICEF, which by the way, do receive additional funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, they sponsored a campaign which targeted 2.4 million women where the government began providing the tetanus shots to them in uh, October of 2013. And a row began between the Catholic Church and the government over there uh, over a tetanus vaccine. They became suspicious that it was only aimed at women in their childbearing years. And after numerous miscarriages and dramatic decreases in pregnancies, they had samples of the vaccine tested and were shocked to find that it was laced with a birth control hormone called beta-human chorionic gonadotropin, or HCG. Um, we can also see incidents uh, referred to under the Vaccine Weekly in an abstract on PubMed, published in uh, 1995, which admits that, quote, similar tetanus vaccines laced with HCG have been uncovered in the Philippines and Nicaragua. And I'll provide the links to these articles at LibertyNow.com. Okay, that's going to be all your homework for tonight. Thank you for listening. And have a look at these definitions and terms. Do your own research. And until next time, be good and keep asking questions.